Yo, yo, what's up, ladies and gents? Welcome to another episode of Optimize Your Body Podcast. I'm doing another solo episode today, and I'm doing this one from Sydney. I come back to Sydney. I was back in Sydney, landed back here on Friday uh, from Brazil, and I'm raring to go. So I'm going to get stuck straight in today to a Q&A from the audience. I'm going to start doing some more of these now, right? Because some of the questions are really, really good. Uh, and a lot of you in the audience are going to get some tremendous value, not to mention the lucky person who actually wrote the question gets a direct answer from an expert. So happy days. So let's get straight stuck into this uh, question. The first question, right? So thank you for this person for giving me some detail and context. There's nothing worse than someone writes in the question and they say something like, how do I lose five pounds? And it's like, I need more information, okay? So anyway, this woman said, for the past three years, I've lost five pounds, and then I gained back the same five pounds. I'm the heaviest I've ever been right now after gaining some extra weight over Christmas, which I can't seem to shift. I'm a 52-year-old woman, and I've been lifting weights for eight years, but very sporadically. In other words, I don't think they're inconsistent. I don't think they're consistent. I'm also getting menopause symptoms right now, which I think may be playing a part. Do you have any advice? Now, again, ladies and gents, obviously a good coach is always going to say, uh, ask more questions, right? But, you know, I'm not coaching this person, so I'm going to give this person uh, some direction anyway, right? Anyway, so first and foremost, why right, this is very, very common. You may be able to relate to this in the audience in terms of losing weight and gaining, gaining it back. I talk about this all the time, but it's not a weight loss problem that we have. It's actually people being able to keep the weight off. In fact, six out of seven people will lose a significant amount of weight at some point in their lifetime only to gain it back and some, okay? So over 95% of people gain all the weight back they lost within one to five years, as I said on the last podcast. Just to give everyone a little bit of context and just to help people understand, it's actually very, very, very common. And I'm going to give you a client example. But first of all, what you're going to look at is when every time you lose weight and gain it back, right? what happens is the body essentially gets better and better at storing fat, right? The body is an adaptation machine. So all the body cares about is survival. So if you're not going to feed it, sorry, if you're going to essentially put it into a state of stress and you're going to put yourself into a calorie deficit, then it's going to go, okay, great. We're not getting food. All right. So when you do eventually, uh, I don't want to say sabotage, but some people do sabotage, or you go back to old behaviors and you gain the weight back, the body goes, thank you very much. We need to hold on to this. All right. We need to play it safe. I want to keep you alive. And by the way, um, you want to thank your body for this. I know it's really frustrating. Your body's doing what it should be doing. It's, it's keeping you alive, right? Because if you get dumped on a desert island, you need every single calorie to keep you alive. And just to give you some context, even someone really lean like myself, I probably have, God knows, thirty to 40,000 calories of fat stored in my body to keep me alive in case I was dumped on a desert island somewhere, right? And I'm lean. So basically, this is a survival mechanism. And with this person saying, you know, I'm the heaviest I've ever been right now after gaining weight after Christmas. Now, this particular person is 52 years old. She mentioned menopause. I've coached uh, quite a lot of women now, actually, in their late 40s, 50s, and even 60s through pre-menopause, menopause, and uh, post-menopause symptoms and struggles, essentially, right? And it does play a big part. Obviously, your hormone profile completely changes, but I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of menopause because I don't think it's that relevant at this point. Ladies and gents, believe it or not, it always comes down to the same fundamentals. doesn't matter what person it is. Yes, there's going to be some specifics with certain supplements, uh, certain types of food, certain things we need to do to manage stress levels and cortisol with people who are in menopause. However, the, the fundamentals and what I always call the big rocks 
are always going to be the same, right? So the advice I'm going to give you here, right, is number one, obviously you mentioned you're not being consistent with weight training. Obviously, as I always say, you know, the, the, the best program in the world done inconsistently is actually going to get worse results than a shit program done consistently, right? So it goes to show how important consistency is. We all know that. So first and foremost, we need to look at, okay, why are you not being consistent, right? Because a lot of the times, yes, it's going to be lack of discipline, but also it's going to be, you know, are you doing the appropriate amount of training? Do you have, like most people have, the all or nothing mentality where unless you're doing five or six workouts a week, then you do fuck all, right? That's what most people do. Excuse the French. Um, so what we need to look at is I always give clients, you know, minimum and maximum non-negotiables, right? Okay. Susie, I'm going to use the words the name Susie, which is no one. I just made that up. Um, Susie, okay, so you've got you know you, your three kids this week. One of them sick. You work in your usual fifty hour week. You cut for time. What's the minimum non negotiable on your work? Worst weeks for training, two sessions a week. Fantastic. And what I'll do is I'll give this person specific workouts to do. You know when they're doing minimal workouts, so they'll do full body, for example, on those on that week where they're doing two sessions. So they're covering every body part. Um, so they're getting the most out of the uh, minimum time they have to spend in the gym, right? And then on a good week, what's your maximum uh, workouts you can do in a week? On a good week, four. Fantastic. So we're going to go for two to four per week, but two is the minimum non-negotiable every single week, right? Because, you know, the person who's consistent, who chips away doing two, three sessions on average every week for years, is going to get incredible results and by far superior results to the all or nothing person, right? So that's what we're going to look at. Consistency is number one. Uh, number two is obviously going to be nutrition. Now, you said over Christmas you gain weight, which you can't seem to shift. The likelihood is, obviously, you know, you consume a lot of calories like most of us do over that period. Um, I don't know what was happening with your movement and stuff like that, right? But what happens is it does get harder to shift, right? Obviously, age plays a, a part in that as well. Um, but also, it just comes down to the behaviors. Like, you know, menopause and age are going to play a big part in this, but it's still going to come down to those behaviors and the lifestyle. Like what, what was your movement like over Christmas for you to be the heaviest you've ever been, you know, how much have you consumed and what was your movement like? The likelihood is regardless of age and, and menopause that you potentially, and look, I'm not trying to make you feel real bad, my friend, right? Whoever's, cause I know you're listening back to this. I'm going to give you um, some solutions here, but what you look at is, and this is most people, by the way, uh, over Christmas, you know, you probably consumed uh, more than you usually do, uh, and you may have moved less than usually. I'm not sure what happened with your training, right? So, and and not to mention as well, that's all. Not all of this weight over these periods and over holiday seasons, ladies and gents, or over a, a, even a period of a week or two. Most of that weight's going to be water and bloat. It's not going to be a great deal of fat. Fat doesn't weigh much on the scales. Yes, it might. It will be a bit of fat, um, but a lot of that weight is not measurable in terms of body composition. So that's another thing um, to bear in mind. So my simple advice would be you need to get a specific training program and you need to be consistent with strength training. That needs to be number one. Uh, number two, you didn't mention cardio or movement. Uh, you need to be doing adequate movement and burning calories uh, manually by moving as much as possible each day. And more importantly, we need to look at your hormones, your gut health, um, but, but your calorie consumption. So hormones and gut health are key, but you need to look at how many calories you consume and what are you doing in terms of whole foods, nutrition, how much protein are you having? So I'd recommend in terms of advice that you hit at least 0.8 grams of protein uh, per pound of body weight, ideally one gram per pound of body weight. So if you weigh 150 pounds, aim for at least 100, say 125 pounds to 150 grams of protein, give or take, right? Every single day, right? And if you don't know what that looks like, track it. 
right? Use an app, MyFitnessPal app, for example, use it and track protein. There's so much value in just tracking protein for a, per, per, a period of time. You don't have to track all your calories necessarily. I do this with some clients where I just get them to track protein. They don't have to track all their calories. It's like one or two minutes out of their day. Uh, just when I say protein, I mean meats, eggs, uh, and any kind of protein powders they might have. Just track that. There's a lot of value in that, right? But I wanted to give you uh, an example. Excuse me. Let me have a sip of water. I wanted to give you an example of a client, right? And ladies and gents, this is going to be helpful for anyone listening back because my client, I'm going to shout her out. Probably doesn't mind me mentioning that. Uh, her name is Roz. She's an absolute legend. Roz, Rosalyn, I call her Roz. Um, she's been in my program for four years now. She's an OIB OG. Um, she's also in her 50s. Um, she also dealt with menopause. Uh, and she struggled with this same thing, right? Because when the, this person asked this question, um, I thought of so many clients and I thought of Roz. And she said to me, look, over the last two years, I've literally lost five pounds and gained the same five pounds back, right, for, for two years. Um, and the thing with her is she was training, but she was she was not structured, so and she wasn't doing it smart. So she was doing it, she was lifting weights because she enjoyed doing it, uh, but it wasn't structured. She wasn't following. And when I say a proper program, ladies and gents, like if you can invest in a proper training program, right? Get one which is specific to you. It is night and day difference with results. You know, you're leaving results on the table if you're just doing your own thing. Simple as that. With Roz, it was like, right, let's put a proper program together. And when I do this, I base it on different things. There's so many different variables that come into it. Like, right, what's your training history? So Roz, for example, she hadn't really done he a proper heavy lifting phase uh, for a period of four to six weeks where she just focused on getting stronger. So we did that. We got her doing heavy lifting. She hit some PBs, by the way, right, in her 50s within that first uh, five-week training phase, four-week training phase, sorry. And uh, her body responded straight away because – her metabolism, it was a curveball, right? It was a shock to the system because it was a new training stimulus she hadn't done. Uh, and boom, her body responded straight away. Um, but did I mention, I mentioned about storing fat and your body getting better at storing fat. Yeah, mentioned mentioned that. Um, but basically what I would say is, you know, lifting weights, I would say for anyone, right, who's looking to lose weight and be consistent, it really depends on what level you're at. But if you're someone who struggles with consistency, right, and you're someone who's super busy and don't really want to be in the gym five to six times per week, because that's not that's not the average person, if we're honest, um, then if you do three sessions per week where you either do like three full body workouts a week, 45 minutes to an hour each workout, covering all the compound lifts, right, so you're covering, you know, providing you can do this with form and that you haven't got any ailments, which are going to cause injuries, you know, your squats or your lunges, your deadlifts, your overhead press, your rowing movements, um, at, you know, like cable row or bent over rows or pull-ups or even assisted pull-ups. Uh, and then ideally, like I would, I would put bench press in fifth place, to be honest, in terms of chest, you don't necessarily have to change train chest. You can get away with not training chest, uh, guys, I wouldn't mention that, right? Because we all, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, recommend that because we all want pecs, but you can get away with not doing chest, right? Because it's not really a functional movement anyway. Um, so if you can do that and and do do basically uh, three uh, full body workouts a week, or you could do um, like one upper body workout, one lower body, and one full body, right? Because you, if you're doing three full bodies, you're hitting every body part three times in a week. If you're doing upper lower and then one full body, then you're hitting every body part twice in a week. If that makes sense, right? So. If, three sessions a week consistently do that kind of split. If you're someone who wants to go four times per week, then you could do a push pull leg split, right? So you could do, um, you know, like two leg sessions, for example, and then one push and one pull. It really depends on the person, but I would say to fo focus on that kind of uh, regime, but more importantly, uh, periodization. I can never pronounce this word. Periodization, I think it's called when you you're phasing what you're doing. 
like I say, with clients, I'll do like maybe four weeks of heavy lifting, four weeks of time and detention training where it's slower reps for like eight to 12 reps or eight to 10 reps. And then I'll switch them into either something really intense where it's either, you know, 12 to 25 rep range with minimal rest or it's, you know, drop sets and supersets. Uh, and cycling in between, they're the three different types of stimulus you need. You need heavy lifting, which is like maximal strength, you could call it. You need hypertrophy, which is your eight to 10 rep range. And then you need to be doing some type of either pump adaptation training or superset training or high rep, high volume training, right? They're the three different types of training stimulus that you need to be switching between. If you're not doing that, you're leaving results on the table. Like it needs to be, you know, it's, it's nothing worse than putting the effort in and wanting to get results. Um, but not getting the results for the time you're putting in, if that makes sense. It pisses you off. I've been there. Don't waste your time. All right. So another thing was focused on, right? And I want everyone to focus on, I mentioned this on the last episode, uh, but protein and fiber. All right. So ultimately with Roz, for example, for her to get these results. And by the way, I haven't even told you the results Roz had. Within the first 90 days of coaching, she dropped 30 pounds. Four years later, she's kept it off. Right. Incredible. And we did this with the things I mentioned then with training um, and nutrition. We were focusing on protein, number one, having, she was having a, at least a pound. She was actually having more than that. She was having over a pound of, uh, uh, sorry, over a gram of protein per pound of body weight. She was having, give or take that anyway, right? So she was doing that consistently. We had her tracking her food for the first kind of six weeks. But to be honest, she she's not, I don't like clients tracking forever. It's just a tool to use. She's eating intuitively now and she's maintaining, right? She's had a few, you know, little ups and downs and wobbles along the way, like we all do, but she's kept going and she's always um, reined it back in. And give you some context, Roz is freaking busy. She's a chef and we all know, let's be honest, being a chef is like one of the hardest jobs in the world, right? It's hard graft. Um, and with her, what we focus on is protein and fiber. So we had her hitting the protein target I just mentioned um, and having a decent amount of fiber with most meals, not every meal. So, you know, with Roz, she grew up in New Zealand and she was happy even as a kid eating like steak for breakfast, for example. So it wasn't out of the ordinary for her to do that. Um, and she'd be eating things like steak and vegetables for breakfast. So what people would normally have for dinner, she'd be eating for breakfast. She enjoyed it. She would have, sometimes she would just have like eggs and avocado. Um, occasionally she would throw in some carbohydrates, like some oats and protein powder or whatever. But for the most part, it was like meat and, and fiber for breakfast or meat and fruit or meat and avocado for breakfast. That's what, that's what she was doing. And that was setting her up to make better decisions for the day. I think that was one of the main things we focused on with Roz because she wasn't having any protein for breakfast. Sometimes she would skip breakfast, which is not always a bad thing. But then because she was so busy with chefing, she would make poor decisions. The other thing then with Roz is obviously being a chef, she was constantly around food and picking on food. We know all know what that's like. I was spoken to a client, uh, speaking to a client earlier on this, and I do this when I'm when I'm cooking food, I'm picking away, right? And all those calories add up. So I said to Roz, right, we just got to nip that in the bud essentially, but you need to be satiated in order to do that. If you're going hungry, you're going to pick on that food. So anyway, she would do that. She was hitting that protein target, and essentially she was she was just having three meals a day, decent amount of meat, vegetables with at least two of her meals. Fruit once a day, mainly berries and avocado with the staple go-to, but she was having any, I give her free reign basically on single ingredient foods. You know, I, I give my clients like, you know, all the resources they need. So I give Rod's, Rod's specific foods. I said, look, on this list, go for your life. There's no limit. Potatoes, for example, that was her uh, main carb source, having sweet potato or white potato because it's high in fiber, uh, high volume and low in calories, right? So you get a lot of it on your plate. It's low in calories, 
it's freaking enjoyable to eat as well. And she's a chef, so she would obviously, you know, be more creative with it, chop them up, cook it, put them in the oven, add some dry spices, maybe some olive oil. So it would taste absolutely delicious. And she never felt deprived or restricted. Uh, and never was there a point where she didn't enjoy what she was eating, which is key, ladies and gents, right? And that's how she's managed to sustain it. And that's how anyone else is going to sustain it. And being the 5% of people like Roz um, is, is essentially by being prepared and eating meals that you enjoy it needs to feel relatively easy when the way you're eating i don't even want to say diet um it needs to feel relatively easy research is clear on this now the one that feels the easiest in terms of the diet is going to be the one that's going to be uh more likely you're going to get sustainable results with especially when it comes to uh fat loss another thing we focused on rather than cardio Roz was overdoing cardio and what cardio does ladies and gents is it actually slows down your metabolism i'll explain it again i've talked about it before when you're overdoing cardio it slows your metabolism down again the body cares about survival if you're burning calories manually in other words doing lots of cardio uh what happens is the body gets more efficient with calories right and essentially it goes okay so you're burning more calories manually fantastic well we need to we need to store some energy right and the metabolism then slows down so there's the research is clear um when you do cardio let's say you do cardio in the morning the metabolism slows down and actually adapts and, and slows down for the rest of the day uh, unlike the opposite of what happens when you're lifting weights the metabolism actually speeds up and elevates uh for you know up to 48 hours, but I would say the sweet spot is between 12 to 24 hours after with protein synthesis. So the metabolism elevates when you uh, when you do strength training. So the opposite to cardio. So we still had her doing, she still enjoys cardio and she likes to stay fit. So I do actually have Roz doing some uh, short bursts of HIIT training, uh, some some like uh, metabolic circuits, we call it, where it's some resistance training. So it's using medicine balls, some weights, but it's like a short kind of circuit with four stations. So she'll do that, that twice a week. Uh, but then she'll lift weights three to four times per week. So it's mainly strength training she's doing. To be honest, it's 90% strength training, and it has to be like that for most people. Uh, and that's how she's uh, maintained this. The cardio has not played a part at all in her results, to be honest. Um, she just enjoys it, and it keeps her fit and healthy. And obviously, cardio is uh, a little bit of cardio. I'm still in on the fence with this. Um it is important for longevity. However, you do get most of that from lifting weights. I don't do any cardio at all at the moment, and I'm fit. Um, so, yeah, anyway. Um, and then finally, ladies and gents, right? Again, I'm relating this to Roz, what I did with Roz, um, but she is one of my A-grade clients, and this is just relevant for anyone listening back. Um, I said to Roz, because it's all about, ladies and gents, right? If it was as simple as calories and macros, everyone would be walking around with six-pack abs. I've said this before. Or, 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 you know, follow this diet plan. It's not that, right? It, that is just surface level. It's bullshit. Um, it's not, it, it's the, you know, you need to focus on the behaviors. You need to focus on the uh, mechanistic, mechanistic part, if you like, of nutrition and the behaviors, right? As opposed to just the numbers, right? If that makes sense. Mechanistic, don't know if that's the right word. Anyway, you need to focus on the, the behaviors and habits. And with Roz, I said to her straight away, and I, I question, I challenge clients with this all the time. It's like, we need to unpack why you're eating, Right. And in Roz's situation, it was interesting. A client's never given me this answer before. She goes, you know what? When I'm happy, I eat. I eat a lot when I'm happy. And I was like, that is an interesting one. I've never really, because um, you know, we have the usual ones of bored and stressed and lonely and anxious and or just eating in front of the TV, our habit. But with Roz, it was like, when I'm happy, I just eat more. I was like, wow, that's a, that's a, that's a, a different one. However, that makes sense, right? So when you're celebrating, when you're out with people, you're happy, you're around good people, uh, sometimes you just carry, get carried away with eating. So that was one with Roz. Also, as I say, picking them food and eating mindlessly when she was cooking food and stuff sometimes. Um, her own food. 
and also uh, sleep as well. What we found was when she didn't have a sleep routine, now, you know, obviously working as a chef, she was working late sometimes. There was only so much control we had over this. Um, but the control we did have was, right, okay, um, with your sleep routine, you know, we need we need you coming away from blue light at least an hour before bed um, and reading the book or listening to a podcast in bed instead of scrolling on your phone um, and getting at least, you know, a minimum of seven hours and uh, dimming the lights down at least an hour to two before bed. So you're actually reducing cortisol and increasing melatonin levels. And what she found was she would just get better quality sleep when she was doing that and then make better decisions with food, right? So there's a lot there, ladies and gents. And that's just like, as you can imagine, over the last four years, there's been a lot more than that. But in terms of how she got the results initially for that 90 days and not only lost that weight, but has managed to keep them off and, and make permanent changes that she can stick to, uh, they're the kind of fundamentals um, and obviously movement. So, you know, focusing on steps instead of cardio. That was key. Obviously, that's really important. So um, she was hammering out about 12,000 steps on average a day. Um, so, yeah, but that doesn't mean that's going to work for everyone. But, you know, because you just want, you know, if someone's doing like, you know, this person, if she, the person who's asking the question, if she's doing 3,000 steps a day, you know, you're not going to do 10K steps a day forever. That's not going to be sustainable. How about you try and add on, you know, a 15-minute walk or about 2,000 steps? because that would be generally more sustainable, right? So they're the fundamentals, ladies and gents, um, for everyone. And just for the person asking that question, uh, that's the advice I would give you. Obviously, to give you more advice, you know, essentially, it takes me a few months to figure out my client and their body and how their body responds, where they're at with their behaviors, you know, and all these kind of things, uh, intricate things about their lifestyle. So I can't give you the specific, you know, uh, golden answer, but they're the fundamentals, really. So again, like, ladies and gents, when it comes to behavior change, there's research, new research shows you cannot physically focus on more than two things at once. Two things is all you can focus on at once. So let's just say you're looking to lose weight. This is what most people do. It doesn't work, and it's not, you're just going to fail. It's guaranteed pretty much, right? Oh, okay, I'm going to try and get in shape. Okay, I'm going to follow this diet plan. I'm going to do this intense training regime now uh, six times per week, and I'm going to cut out sugar. And I'm also going to drink five liters of water a day and I'm going to do 12,000 steps a day. It's ridiculous. You're not going to stick to it. You can only focus on maximum of two things at once if you want to make permanent changes to your behaviors. So with Roz, for example, who's looking to lose this weight, I looked at the biggest bottlenecks and I asked her what she was confident in she could change. So I always say to my clients, right, how confident are you on a scale of one to 10? For example, with Roz, I said, right, at the moment, you know, we're eating... Uh, around about averaging around about 70 grams of protein a day, right? How confident are you on a scale of one to 10 that we can start you off with a hundred grams of protein a day and you can hit that every single day without fail. And she was like, I'm a nine out of 10. I was like, okay, fantastic. We'll give that a shot then, right? If it's anything less than an eight, then I'm not going to do it with my clients. The other thing I said to her, I said, right, how confident are you? You can stick to these um, these three heavy lifting sets. No, sorry, no, I didn't say that because she was training was no problem for her, actually. The other thing was um, the meals. So I said, right, how confident are you that you can eat um, this amount of protein for breakfast? I think it was 40 grams and aim to get it through real foods, single ingredient foods and meat. And she was like, I'm a solid nine out of 10. Bang. We focus on those two things. She was consistent with those two things until – you know, after getting feedback from her, they were feeling easy, right? And I think that was up to about the six-week mark. They were feeling really easy. She was already doing a decent amount of movement at this point because of her job, by the way. Um, so we didn't have to focus too much on steps. And she was like, yeah, I, I get, and that was easy. She stuck to it, boom, cemented in those habits. Then it was like, right, let's look at um, let's look at your movement and sleep. And it's stacking on those habits. And that's where most people go wrong, right? So 
Remember that, ladies and gents, all right? So, yeah, I hope that was helpful. So I was going to try and do three answer, uh, three questions today. I'm not sure if I'm going to get through all three. I might just have to do two. We'll see how we go. Uh, which one am I going to choose here? Which one's going to be more uh, beneficial? Right, I'll go with this one first. So question number two, I've been watching your stories for quite some time, and I was watching what you were eating in Brazil. I love my food too much, and I could never eat like you. Ha ha. I'm curious, do your clients eat the meat and fruit diet like you? <laughs> the meat and fruit diet. I love the way that people label things diet, but it kind of is. I guess you could say the way I eat is the meat and fruit diet, although I do eat dark chocolate, say, three times per week. I do have coffee. I do have, um, well, that's pretty much it, really, um, coconut yogurt, which is fruit, I guess. Um, anyway, so uh, the short answer is majority of my clients don't eat like me at all. And what you're going to look at, ladies and gents, is like most of the people I work with are the general population, right? They're just day-to-day -day people. And um, I'm in the, I don't know, 1% of people, the way I eat, like consistently and meet them through every day and actually enjoying it and never falling off, right? I, I enjoy it. I never feel deprived, right? So no, like on a consistent, sustainable level, hardly any of my clients eat like me. There's probably a handful of clients because I do have a lot of people who come through through the carnivore space and they do eat similar to me, uh, but it's, no, they don't. Um, with my, with any good coach is going to meet their clients where they're at. Right. So for example, some of my clients who come to me quite simply, they're under eating protein and they're overeating uh, processed foods. And they're a little bit miseducated as well in terms of like high protein foods. Right. And you know, the quality of foods they're eating is just not the best. So I'll meet them where they're at and I'll, I'll look at the, the quality of protein they're eating. That's like my first port of call for, for most people, like not just the amount of protein, but the quality of protein, complete protein sources is key for overall health um, and for, for, for weight loss as well, protein in general. So I'll meet them where they're at and I'll make sustainable changes. Now, some people, as I say, they come through through the carnival space and they're overly restricted. This is a, this is a challenge I get with anyone who's been following any diet, right? Now, you could say the carnivore diet is kind of like, I would personally say as far as diets go, either the cardio or the paleo diet, you know, paleo being eating just meat, what our hunter-gatherers would have eaten, right? So so meat, fish, uh, not eating gluten. I don't think dairy is included in the, in the gluten diet, in the, in the paleo diet, uh, fruit and vegetables, essentially, right? Um, and, and avoiding a lot of those anti-nutrients, right? Which is what carnivore and paleo does. Well, especially carnivore anyway, that's a good thing. Like, you're not, there's no anti-nutrients in that, right? Anti-nutrients being, you know, and I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here, ladies and gents, but it is education for you, right? So anti-nutrients, why... You know, a lot of people kind of love the carnivore diet, although most people don't stick to it, which is what I'm going to talk on next, is because they, 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 a lot of people get immune issues and stuff like that. And what it is, like, it's very simple. Like any diet you follow, what happens to most people is they go from eating mainly processed foods to eating, to cutting a lot of those shit foods out. And that within itself is going to make you feel way better. So a lot of the times it's less about how magical the quote-unquote diet is, and it's more about the person cutting out all the shit, right? And all the chemicals and the vegetable oils and, you know, the anti-nutrients that I was just going to mention. But there's like, there's four different types of like anti-nutrients to my knowledge anyway. I might be getting this wrong. No, I think I'm right on this. And a lot of these are found, or well, they're all found in plant compounds and processed foods, right? So you've got um, phytates, which you get in things like nuts and brown rice. And that's why white rice is healthier for you than brown rice, believe it or not. Brown rice contains uh, phytates, um, which is an anti-nutrient, which can give you uh, some sort of immune response, and it can be toxic for a lot of people, right? And it's just not ideal. And I feel way better when I eat white rice because it's just like, although it's 
pretty much devoid of nutrients. It's just a quick source of energy and there's no garbage in it. So phytate is one. Gluten is another, which you get in obviously wheat. It's a type of protein you get in wheat. Then you've got uh, lectins, which is probably one of the most toxic ones, which is a nightmare for me, um, which you get in the nightshade family, right? Which you get in things like, uh, well, we call it eggplant here. Uh, um, I don't know what you call it in other countries. We call it eggplant or potatoes, tomatoes, um, and, uh, well, you call it bell peppers in America. We call it capsicum, right? They're the four nightshades and they contain lectins. So lectins are in the seeds. So if I do occasionally eat those foods, I'll avoid like tomatoes, for example, right? I love eating tomatoes, but they, they, they fuck me up. Excuse the French because the lectins mainly, I think, and the other compounds. Uh, so I make sure I don't eat the seeds. And I think that helps a little bit. And the other one then is oxalates, which you get in things like chocolate, uh, sorry about that one. I don't care though. I'm still having my dark chocolate, uh, potatoes. So potatoes are one of the worst for me, for my gut. They just irritate my gut. And I love potatoes. I ate them the other day and sometimes I'm okay, but it's hit and miss. So anyway, that's why I'm going off a bit here. Right. But I do want to give you a bit of education here on like, you know, I don't think people should follow any diet. I want to be clear. I'm not in the carnivore camp, right? I'm not, you know, eat this way. What I am in is eat whole foods. And that's why I mentioned fiber. You know, a lot of people who are in the carnival space, some of my, uh, my peers, if you like, who I respect a lot and uh, they're geniuses, right? A lot of them. And they're huge in terms of uh, the impact they're having on people's lives, right? With the information they're putting out there and whatever they're doing with their coaching or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't fully agree with, you know, everyone eating strict carnival. I just don't think for everyone it's ideal, right? I think having variety is key, uh, but I do think eating animal-based. So I think eating primarily meat, you know, some organ meat as well is key, especially like liver, especially beef liver, certain nutrients you can't get out of other foods that you get in, in liver, for example, or heart. Liver is better though. You know, eating dairy if you can tolerate it. Unfortunately, I can't. I can't with lactose, you know, and then fruits, for example, and some honey you know, like nature's, nature's dessert, right? So, you know, long story short of this is it's not going to work for most people. I'm going to give you an example now. I work with a variety of different uh, clients and basically, you know, it, there's so much variance in between uh, with the people I work with. Now, I have some high-performing entrepreneurs, right, who, um, you know, extremely busy. They, you know, run their own business and, you know, with them, a lot of their thing is like they've got that mindset of like getting after, right? They've built a successful business. They're already in that small percentage of people who've kept the business afloat and, and they generally just get after it and they've got that discipline and they just do the work. They just like, right, right, and what do I need to do? And I'll do it, right? But then, you know, you get other people then, you know, and they might have, I've got some clients who are like teachers, some clients who really struggle, uh, they're, they're shift workers, they, they're nurses. Um, I've got people who work within the corporate world really, really high up. So it's a variety of different people. Um, and it really depends on the individual. So I always meet them where they're at. So no, like hardly any of them eat exactly like I do. And, you know, a lot of people eat carnivore-ish within my tribe, within OYB tribe, the carnivore-ish where they have a meat-based diet, um, but they still have flexibility and they still, on the weekends, they might want to enjoy some of their favorite foods or have some alcohol, which, you know, occasionally I have a few beers here and there, right? Like I said on the last episode. So yeah, it's there's so much variance, ladies and gents, from person to person. So to think that everyone eats like me is just, and that's the other thing, right? With the discipline where I'm at in my journey, there's just not many people where I'm at. Without sounding big-headed, there's not many people who want to eat whole foods, right? Who want to eat, you know, 1.2 kilos of, of beef a day, right? <laughs> I want to eat 1.2 kilos of steak and beef mince a day. 
Uh, I want to eat my eggs and I enjoy eating food. That is like my kind of treat, eating fruit and I'll have some yogurt, coconut yogurt here and there with it, which is even better. And as I say, my dark chocolate and my coffee is my my thing as well, right? So that's all I need in my life when it comes to food, right? But that's not the same for most people. We need to have more flexibility. They might want to have even some ultra processed foods from time to time, right? Um, but as long as you're focusing on the fundamentals, you know, you're, you're having good quality uh, whole foods 90% of the time, at least you're having, you're hitting your protein target, you know, and you, you know, you're feeling like it's sustainable with what you're doing. Right. Um, so yeah. And another thing then, ladies and gents as well, in terms of, um, the way I eat and what I prescribe to clients is, you know, electrolytes and sodium, you know, when you eat mainly whole foods, it's actually quite easy to develop a, a deficiency with sodium, believe it or not, despite what we've been told about salt being bad for us and all that bullshit. Um, so I get a lot of my clients having electrolytes. Uh, there's a really good brand, which I'm not affiliated with at the moment. I probably should be because I shout them out enough. I should get some sponsors, right? But I don't want to annoy you on the podcast. <laughs> nah, we'll see how we go. But LMNT, right? LMNT is is what it's, it's the best electrolytes. I get some clients taking that. I take one or two of them a day. I take one in the morning. Um, and that's something I have clients doing, right? Um, so anyway, um, to answer that question, I kind of, again, I went everywhere with it, but I want to give you, you know, as much wisdom and information as I can uh, to educate you. But electrolytes are really, really important and sodium, especially because again, you need to hydrate, right? And water, drinking adequate water sometimes isn't enough because it's not, you're not going to get water into the tissues, right? So water in the blood is one thing, but getting water into your tissues and into your cells is another thing, right? And you need sodium to do that. And ideally electrolytes like magnesium and potassium. And that's essentially what the element is that I take, LMNT. It's a thousand milligrams of sodium. And then it's just a little bit of potassium and magnesium. Um, so yeah, one more thing as well. Um, being overly restrictive and having carbohydrates. That's what I find with clients that I work with. Um, you know, they come through and they eat in strict carnivore. They've gone from one extreme to another. And ultimately they just, they, they have this restrictive mindset. And a lot of these people as well have struggled like most people with weight loss and they found carnivore and they're like, you know, it's magical. I've lost all this weight. I feel so much better. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense because you've cut out a lot of the shit foods, which you were making you feel like shit. You're having more of the essential nutrients you need now because you're eating more beef and eggs, for example. Um, and number two, you know, you've lost weight, so you're metabolically more healthy. So that's fantastic. But then because they've tried this approach, they, they, they overdo it. And then they stop seeing results. They hit a plateau and that's where they reach out to me. And they feel like some people feel like this is not sustainable. I don't feel like I can do this forever. I'm getting really bored. Um, I need a bit more variety. And also what you find then with a lot of these people, when you introduce some carbohydrates, it might be a bit of fruit or a bit of honey or even hell, some even white rice. Um, they start getting better sleep. They notice their performance improves in the gym. So having, you know, metabolic freedom as Ben Azidi calls it, who I had on the podcast uh, or metabolic flexibility is key. Right. And I took this too far myself. Well, even last year, I was eating too strict carnivore. Uh, and then I brought in some white rice uh, and bumped my calories up and more carbohydrates in the evening before, you know, at least four hours before I went to bed. But with my last meal, and I noticed on my aura ring, because I tracked my sleep, my readiness was better and my sleep quality. I was sleeping through. I wasn't waking up as much, was much better. So, you, you know, and that's where having the guidance and uh, the knowledge comes in so handy, right? You need to know what to do and when to do it to maximize results, right? Uh, it is very simple, but it's, 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 not, it's, not, it's not simple when it comes to individual variance from person to person. So that's where, you know, experience comes in with me and my own body and, you know, the wisdom I have and the attention I pay to clients in terms of getting the maximum results, you know? So anyway, there was a third question. I'm probably going to have to answer that next time, ladies and gents. There was a ton of value anyway in this episode. Um, I remember, make sure you take one or two things away from this. Put it in your notes after this. Biggest takeaway. Put it in your notes and try and implement it or be aware of it. 
right? Whatever that was that you took away from it. Um, and yeah, just to wrap this up, ladies and gents, right? I've got two spaces available. Um, two clients over the last week have just finished the 90-day program. Sorry, one of them finished the 90 days and one of them been with me for 15 months and they just finished. So I've got two spaces available. And if you're looking to drop around about 10 to 15 pounds of fat over the next 90 days, uh, build lean muscle and really boost your energy levels and get a better understanding of how to manage your nutrition and lifestyle once and for all within the next 90 days, then once again, just drop me a DM on Instagram at Martin Silver Fitness. Just drop me a DM with the word info um, or drop me an email, admin at optimizeyourbody.com. Um, or you can just fill out the coaching inquiry form, which is in the show notes here. Ladies and gents, last but not least, the podcast is going from strength to strength. It's growing. Um, we're getting great feedback. We're changing lives. Uh, we're having a huge impact. So please, if you like this episode or you like this podcast, forget about the episode, the podcast, ladies and gents, it would mean the world to me if you can just head over to whatever platform you listen on, Spotify, iTunes, whatever, and just give me a rating and just write, sorry, a rating and write down a quick review uh, with your thoughts on the podcast. That would be a huge help. Uh, we're going to reach more people if you do that. And I, more importantly, above all, I would like to see the feedback, right? Because I want to improve this. So yeah. That's pretty much all I had to say. That's what I was going to say. One more thing. I'm going to do more of these Q&As. If you've got a question you want to ask me, I will answer it on this podcast for you. I get loads of questions, though. I can't answer everyone's, so I have to pick them out. Again, just drop me a DM on Instagram, at Martin Silver Fitness, or you can just send me an email, admin at optimizeyourbody.com. If you ask me a question, make sure you have some context and detail, ladies and gents. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to answer it. All right, over and out. Thanks.